0: The red card in La Liga Santander is only four matches ended with all 22 players on the field. The dismissals caused yet another match day of twists and turns, which we will recap for you on this week's edition of the La Liga show. We will look back at how Spanish teams did continentally, Real Madrid's managerial situation, and look ahead to the international break and some La Liga players who have big matches ahead of them there. To do all of that with me, Oliver Platt of Dazone is back on the show. Great to have you back on, good sir. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. And, uh, of course, Tazone is the home of Champions League and Europa League in Canada. So what better place to start than looking back in Europe, where it was a pretty successful uh, past week for Spanish sides, undefeated across both competitions, uh, but perhaps no bigger win than Atletico, uh, who got a measure of revenge on Borussia Dortmund. Uh, They're also the first side to beat Dortmund this year, is that Dortmund team, uh, obviously a big win in Germany over Uh, Bayern Munich as well, so they're rolling right now, but Atletico were able to knock them off, and uh, a pretty big turnaround, obviously, from the from the uh, I guess you can sort of call it a way leg in the, in the group stage uh, where it was 4-1 or 4-0 at uh, at home for Dortmund um, what was kind of the difference for you in this match that Atletico were were able to completely turn it on its head and uh, and get uh, what is a big win for them in terms of uh, both confidence and uh, potentially this Champions League campaign now I guess it's a it's a bit of a goal difference matchup to see uh, probably which of these two teams finishes first but uh, both both of them are going to be going through at this point, yeah.
1: Yeah, it was a big win to, to get them in a pretty safe position to go through. Um, I, I think it was just kind of one of those games where like Atletico had a lot of pride to play for, really. And uh, I, that's when they're always at the best when they're fired up, and you know, the stadium it gets into it. Um, and I think you know, having suffered what was really a humiliation in Dortmund, you know, Atletico don't lose, um like that under Diego Simeone really it doesn't happen I don't think they'd ever conceded four goals in a European game since he took over um, hmm. so I, I think that was a lot of pride to play for and there was a lot of kind of you know we're not going to let that happen again and that kind of allowed them to to revert to what they're best at which is being gritty um, you know defending very well even though they, they didn't have a, a couple of their key defenders in there and a young player in Montero playing and um, And yeah, I think they had something like 31% possession, but there was just so much pace about their counterattacks. And, you know, they were direct and purposeful. And um, I I think as well, you've got to look at the fact that Dortmund were pretty much, you know, in a good position to go through already. And they were playing Bayern Munich at the weekend. And maybe that took their mind off this game a little bit. But it it was just one where, Mm -hmm. you know, all the kind of psychological factors, I think, tilted in in Madrid's
0: favour. And it was always going to be... You know, a difficult night for Dortmund, I think. Not a bad week for Athletic in general, of course. They have that big come from behind victory uh, this past weekend with a 3 2 over. Athletic Bilbao, Diego Godín, of course, scoring that late goal when he'd basically been pushed up to center forward after being injured, and they'd already had all three of their substitutions made. So he's just limping around the field and ends up uh, getting a toe to a ball that, um, you know, on a a late set piece. So uh, you know, incredible performance there, and one that now has them. Um, just one point behind the the top and of course they play Barcelona after this international break so uh, kind of a good chance here for them to reignite their you know uh, their their title hopes because uh, again <laughs> once Barcelona or anytime someone seems to be pulling away in La Liga uh, it seems to come crashing down pretty quickly.
1: Yeah it's kind of amazing how much that goal or the two goals they scored late changes the picture really because I think they were lucky to win that game um and got two set piece goals obviously late on to do it um amazing from Diego Godin to be injured and when he scored the goal his celebration was on one foot basically Uh, and just I, I think to actually win the free kick that he scored the winning goal from he'd basically been elbowed in the back of the head as well so amazing from him um but yeah, they they were pretty fortunate to win that game and got a goal, two goals from a corner and a free kick late on. And you go from you know having another frustrating day where Atleti can't create enough chances and, and score enough goals um, to having one where they get a big win, uh, you know, a real psychologically uh, big win to to come back from behind that late. Um, and now they go into a game against Barcelona, you know, with a real chance to to. You know, put themselves in, in pole position in the title race. Um, I, I still think they've got a lot of work to do in terms of figuring out the goal scoring. Not having a single goal from Costa or Kalinic at this point in the, in the season is quite incredible. Um, but yeah, pretty dramatic turnaround from you know what could have been a, a disappointing home defeat that would really have left them going into the, into the international break asking a lot of questions about you know how they solve the, the problems that they've had this season.
0: Well, certainly would have. And uh, just to round out some of the European results before we move on. Um, Real Madrid, they got back to their dominant ways with a 5-0 victory over Victoria Pilsen. Uh, Valencia, they defeated 10 man young boys 3-1. Barca drew 1-1 with Inter. Um, and Real Betis, they also drew 1-1 with AC Milan in the Europa League. Um, also in the Europa League, a tight 3-2 win for 10-man Sevilla over Akisar and a 0-0 result for Villarreal against Rapid Vien. Um Any of those results stand out to you, Ali? Is is kind of uh, important going forward for any of these clubs? Um, I I keep going back to Real Betis
1: and I think we're going to talk about them in a minute. Like, um, I, t- I think they're just a better team in Milan, to be honest, and they'll probably be disappointed they didn't win both games. Uh, the performance they gave... In, in the first of the two games between those two teams was was really really good um, and a preview of what was to come uh, in Barcelona um, and then they get a draw to, to stay unbeaten uh, against Milan so uh, they're really going well right now and and they're a team that um, you know hasn't had the best start results wise but I think they've been underperforming in terms of a bit of bad luck rather than underperforming in terms of not playing to their level um, and yeah they could be they could really go the distance in that competition. I think they're a real contender.
0: Well, let's talk about Betis then, and you mentioned bad luck. They have 16 expected goals this season, they've only scored 12 Um, and obviously the offense has been uh, front and center in terms of their struggles this season in the sense that for a lot of the start of the season they were last in the league in terms of goals. Um, They actually scored a third of all the goals they've scored this season uh, at the weekend against Barcelona in a massive 4-3 victory for them. Um, They still sit 12th on the table, but um, you know, it's it's they're only eight points back, and that kind of shows again how ridiculous the the parity is here in La Liga. Because um, you know, the, the eight points off in the Prem would be Arsenal right now, who finish or who who sit fifth. Uh, Bayern are actually seven points off the top in the Bundesliga and Inter Milan are third in Serie A and and eight off the top or actually ten off the top. So um, there's a lot of parity right now in La Liga um, and a chance kind of for Betis if they can go on a good run here, uh, obviously following a massive victory for them to uh, fairly quickly climb this table and and get back to, I guess, where, where a lot of us thought they would be at the start of the campaign considering all the quality they have in their ranks. Yeah, but
1: I, I think they they definitely do have the potential to be a top six team. But, e, you know, even if they were playing to the level of, you know, that maybe their performances have, have warranted this season, even then, you know, in, on top of the, the big three, you've got Sevilla going great, you've got Alaves and Espanyol playing very well as well. So, it's, you know, just to get in the top six this season is going to be um, pretty tough given how competitive this league is right now. But, yeah, I. I as I said before, I really admire them as a team, and um, the performance against Barcelona was was tremendous.
0: Yeah, and of course, uh, the first team to beat Barcelona at home in at the Camp Nou in forty two matches, and uh, anytime this happens for uh, you know a club, kind of. Uh, below the the big clubs, I guess the you get kind of the rumors of people leaving, and, and in this case, it was Kike uh, Setien, who didn't do anything to kind of dispel them in terms of how glowingly he talked about Barcelona and the way they played, and um, it, it was a performance very much like Barcelona for Real Betis, uh, and, and of course that has kind of ignited uh, the rumors that Setien could be the, the next man to take over at Barcelona. Um, what were your thoughts on on kind of the performance from? Bettis and and the fact that um, maybe now this puts uh, Setien in terms of a, a, at least for the moment um, people considering him to be uh, Valverde's successor.
1: Yeah, like I, I can see why. I think it's um, you know a reasonable argument to make based on the way Bettis play. Um, you know they pass the ball, they press. Uh, you know they're a really accomplished team, and and I thought his game plan for this match was was perfect. You know it was spot on. Um, you know the way that. He recognised, ironically, the, the fact that Messi was back, maybe played in Betis' favour to a certain extent because, you know, we talk, I think the last time I was on this podcast, we talked about how, um, you know, Messi plays on that right-hand side but he never stays on the right-hand side and so it leaves a big gulf of space in front of the right-back um, and they completely exploited that. You know, they played the three forwards, um, Joaquin, uh, Laurent Moron and what I'm forgetting. Um they played the three forwards quite narrow, uh, to try and overload that, that Barcelona defence and force Sergio Roberto and Jordi Alba to kind of play narrower to ensure the centre backs didn't get overloaded. And that just left, you know, with Messi not playing, obviously not tracking back much on the right, that just left a huge amount of space um for Junior Firpo who was probably the man of the match in the game, to raid down that mm-hmm. left hand side. Uh and, and I think he had what well, he scored and had a an assist, I think. And uh, yeah, Barcelona never really had an answer to that um, you know, they never adapted to, to the way that not just Firpo on the left but Christian Teo on the right as well were were really hurting them constantly um, and yeah, it was it was a really well thought through game plan from from Setien and uh, one that, as, as I think he said, uh, Johan Cruyff would have admired how his team played, which was <laughs> a little bit of a um, yeah, as you said not exactly playing down the the rumours that are going to start up now Um but yeah, I, I think I think his body of work that he's building up is, is really impressive and it's quite um quite an unusual path he's taken in that, you know, he's come from the lower leagues and he hasn't actually been at the top level for a huge amount of time and now he's getting links but he's already sixty years old, so he's not, you know, a young up and coming manager really. Um but now he's getting links with you know, with arguably the biggest job in the world and, and I think, you know, it's hard for me to really think of a a contender, if Valverde was to leave at some point, that makes more sense than him right now.
0: On the Barcelona side of things, um, they've been very good this season against top teams. Obviously, the El Clásico, you can hold that up as as kind of their their best game of, or performance of the season. Um, they, you know, have. They've beaten Inter Milan, uh, they've beaten Tottenham, they've beaten Sevilla. Um, In the big matches, they seem to be a a very good side and um, they're able to to raise to the performance. But there's a bit of concern, I think, within within kind of Barcelona circles. And I've seen this mentioned a couple of times about how they performed against some of those lower end sides in La Liga. And obviously, um, you can't win every game, but uh, they were able to go almost undefeated last season. But this year, they've already lost. Obviously, against Betis and Leganés as well, uh, they've drawn. They've drawn Girona, Athletic Bilbao, and Valencia, who are all sides that have struggled this season. Even by a cano, um the week previous to this one, where uh, they they were able to get that late winner. Mm-hmm um there's there's been moments here where especially against some of the smaller teams they've really struggled to to maintain composure and maintain focus uh, and you know it, it really those are the teams uh, as much as you'd like to point to the big games and and the big wins um, taking care of business against those teams can be just as important sometimes to to title wins as as the the big ones are because at the end of the day they all count as three points right and yeah
1: i, I think it's it's difficult to to break down defensive teams who you know are, are committed to playing on the counter attack and committed to keeping a solid shape, and you know for a long time or well, for the past few years in La Liga, I think Barcelona and Real Madrid were so strong and you know such brilliant teams with you know midfields of Xavi and Iniesta and Busquets and you know Messi, Suarez, Neymar, or or Messi and Villa, you know all of these world class players that it really wasn't much of an issue for them and they were able to to take care of those games. And now I think. You know, I think it's inarguable arguable that both Barcelona and Madrid, uh, over the past year or two, are, are a step back from where they were. You know, at, at their peaks. Peaks, are, well, maybe more so this season with Real Madrid, obviously, but Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, over the past couple of years, and I, I think at the same time, the seems lower down the pyramid in or the table in La Liga are, are getting stronger on the counter attack. Um, you know, they're getting more attacking talent in their teams and. And so you have very difficult games for Barcelona now where, you know, smaller teams, there's no expectation that they have to go forward or put numbers forward. Um, They defend well and then they have threats on the break um, that that can hurt teams if if they're not ready for them. And, you know, I I think it's become, those games have become very challenging for Barcelona now because they just don't have the complete control that they had uh, when they're at their best under Guardiola and then Luis Enrique. Um, so it's it, it's tough. Um, you know the the big issue for Barcelona is that they're, they're not defending well enough. And mm-hmm. again, we can use expected goals as a measure of that. You know, in the Betis game at the weekend, they had over four expected goals, I think, um, that they created. But then they were between somewhere between two and three uh, conceded. So obviously, you would expect that they would, you know, deserve to win that game. You could say. But when you're, when you're allowing that many chances, you know, you know you're not going to convert on all four or five chances, you, good chances you create every single game. Mm-hmm. You can't score four-plus goals every game. Um, and so when you're allowing that volume of chances, you
0: are going to trip up, and you are going to be more inconsistent as a result. Let's look back at the results from match day 12 of the La Liga Santander season. Real Sociedad defeated Levante 3-1. Ten-man Eibar and Valladolid drew nil-nil. Ten-man Hatafe lost one-nil to Valencia. Ten-man Athletic Bilbao lost three-two to Atletico Madrid. Leganes and Girona drew nil-nil. Alaves beat Huesca two-one. Ten-man Barcelona lost four-three to Real Betis. Ten-man Villarreal drew two-two with Rayo Vallecano. Sevilla defeated Espanol two-one. And 10-man Celta Vigo fell 4-2 to Real Madrid, which leaves us with a top four of Barcelona, Sevilla, Aleco Madrid, and Alaves, and a relegation zone that still includes <laughs> Leganes, Rayo Vallecano, and Huesca. Let's move on to uh, Real Madrid, um, where obviously they've, they've brought in a new coach um, after you know Lopetegui had the worst start as a Real manager uh, this century, and he's been now replaced by Santiago Solari, and that's been confirmed as their full-time head coach now. Uh, obviously, there's a, there's a rule, uh, a time limit on how long you can have a coach under the interim tag in La Liga. Uh, so uh, on Monday, they had to make the decision at Real whether or not they wanted to keep Solari in charge as, as their main manager and they've decided to um, the results have, have kind of pushed them in that sense obviously he's uh, he's won all of his games so far in charge um, there's definitely been a degree of luck uh, considering the woodwork has been hit by the opponent in every single match that he's been in charge of so far and it seems like uh, that that was kind of reversed and, and Real were hitting the woodwork basically every game under Lobotegi. Um so you know what is is this really the right choice for them do you think that um, you know obviously Solari uh, again I, I do think this is there is a measure of luck to this that uh, he's been able to, to get some of these results, and Lopetegui hasn't. But um, I guess at the same time, you sort of can't argue with the the quick reversal he's been able to get out of Real. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I think that definitely is a bit of luck, and obviously the games haven't been the hardest. You know, the Celta one at the weekend was probably the first you know difficult game that these had to face. Um, I, I. I as you say, he has definitely got a little bit lucky. I, I think there's a couple of things that play in his favour. I think, firstly, I can't really figure out any alternative right now who you'd want to appoint on a long-term contract. Obviously, there was talk of Conte, but that seemed to break through after Sergio Ramos's rather inflammatory comments about him, <laughs> um, or not directly at him, but about a potential new manager. Um so I, I, you know, I, I don't think you're going to persuade someone like Mauricio Pochettino to leave Tottenham mid-season. I think that would have to be at the end of the year, uh, and and I imagine, you know, they've given Solari a contract until 2021. I would be surprised if there's not a break clause in there somewhere, like there was for Lopetegui, um, that would allow them to potentially move to someone else if if the opportunity comes up and Solari's maybe not, you know, doing an an incredible job uh, through the rest of the season. But I think to be fair to him as well he has definitely seemed to turn the mood of the place around pretty quickly. Um, and, and again, again, maybe he's had, he's had a bit of luck doing that, but he's definitely a different personality from Lepetogri who was very serious and methodical, uh, kind of similar to Rafa Benitez. Um, Solari, you know, is a lot more easygoing, a bit more like Zidane in, in that he, I think connects with the players a bit more. Um, and and I think you know, as, again, it goes back to what Sergio Ramos said that maybe this team doesn't really needs you know a great tactician, someone who's gonna you know treat them like chess pieces. He needs the team needs someone to manage them as people, um, you know, to to keep their the morale goods, um, you know, to keep them together within the room and working for each other and Solari seems to be doing that relatively well and, and that has been you know Zidane himself always said he's not the greatest tactician in the world but he had a way of managing the personalities in that room that you know got the best out of them and and I think Solari you know I, I'm not saying for a second that he's the new Zidane and, and I have my doubts as to whether this will last be, beyond the end of the season but he seems to be more made from that mould you know of, of being kind of a, more of a personality
0: manager than a, a tactical manager um And that just seems to suit Madrid. Yeah, you mentioned the lack of managerial options, and that's why I think this is probably the right move at the moment. Is even the Lopez hire? You know, we've heard it time and time again. It was probably fifth or sixth on their list of of managers who they wanted to bring in, um, and obviously that didn't go exactly as they planned. Um, no. So, so I think that yeah, certainly waiting until the summer and maybe getting a better uh, a better idea of what kind of managerial options are out there, because um, considering some of the results we've seen early on in the season I think there will be some major managerial changes uh, come the end of the year that that could benefit Real Madrid in terms of bringing in some some new managers and yeah that's the time to do it is the summer obviously Lovategui came in under incredibly chaotic circumstances so uh, yeah. if they want to bring in a new manager that just it just makes sense to be the time to to you know have that turnover. For sure and I, I think as well you know you've got a Question:
1: Whether Madrid messed things up beyond Tegui last summer in that they didn't, they decided not to replace Ronaldo with you know an Hazard or, or someone mm-hmm. like that. You know they look short up front. I, I'd be very surprised if you know Solari does what Zidane did and, and you know takes them all the way in the Champions League again. Um, I just don't think they really quite have the quality in their team this year to to do that. Um, so. Again, do you want to throw a new manager into that situation, or do you want to wait till the summer and, and potentially give him a chance to strengthen the squad? Uh, obviously, a lot of talk about um, PSG's financial fair play situation and how that could impact one or the other of, of Mbappe or Neymar. So, um, I, I think it makes sense to to let him see through the season. And, and again, you know, I don't want to talk down the guy too much. I think he's he's done some good things in the short time he has to, you know, to merit um, continuing. Um, Karim Benzema
0: looked like a, a different player at the weekend, so that's a, a great start for him. Uh, Karim Benzema apparently has as many goals as Cristiano Ronaldo this year, so maybe he's uh, in double digits. Already, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. there's the the replacement right there. But no, uh, I certainly agree that there has been a a massive void in the place of CR7 and that's certainly going to be a talking point throughout the season for Real Madrid um, defensive injuries that's been a huge issue for Real Madrid so far this year, they had a whole bunch of them go down after the the Celta match as well um, but it's not just them, it seems like uh, if you want to talk about things getting closer again in, in La Liga uh, obviously we've talked earlier in the season about uh, injuries to Thomas Vermaelen and, and Samuel Mtiti that have uh, helped in the Barcelona defensive struggles now Diego Godin looks like he'll miss the Barcelona match with injury um, among other defensive injuries there Uh, that that definitely opens the door a little bit doesn't it these clubs are um, struggling at the back especially when teams like Espanol seem to be able to be going so well defensively Um, you know it's it's going to make the uh, things difficult on the big boys as they already have been so far this year
1: yeah for sure like you, you just look at Barcelona's back four at the weekend and it's not bad back four but it's not you know a world class uh, shut down unit either Sergio Roberto who is arguably in a lot of people's eyes a midfielder who is, mm-hmm. seems to fill in a lot at uh, right back and you know just didn't really have the athleticism to cover that whole flank on his own at all um, on uh, the weekend PK has had a tough season uh, Longley is, is you know, settling in. I think he's a good player, but he, he's new to the team. Uh, and then Jordi Alba is basically a winger, so that, you know you can get at them. Um, and yeah, I, I I don't I just don't quite think the quality is there in in some instances that it has been, particularly at Barcelona in in past years. And you know, Real Madrid have had their own issues. I think with players coming back from the World Cup. You know, Rafael Varane has had a tough time with injuries and form. Um, Marcelo is another one, so yeah, it's, it's definitely been uncertain at, at the
0: back in a lot of ways Rafael Varane's mostly had trouble with the VAR, is the biggest thing for him but, <laughs> um, but yeah certainly uh, certainly something to watch going forward in La Liga is all of these clubs have decently big fixtures coming up, Real, their schedule's a little bit easier, I think uh, Solari uh, picked a great time to to get involved because they, other than the Roma match, they really don't have that much uh, of difficulty going forward, but obviously Atleti and Barcelona will play uh, coming out of this international break. And and before we get into some of our games of the week in the international break, I just wanted to quickly obviously mention um, a big top-of-the-table clash this past weekend in Sevilla and Espanyol, and uh, a pretty massive win for Sevilla um, against, as I've mentioned throughout the show, a very stingy Espanyol side who... Um, have been solid defensively this season, which has very much helped them rise up the table. Um, and it's it's kind of a side that's in Sevilla that's just continued to stay in that race throughout the year, which uh, is, is pretty impressive considering, um, you know, they they had, what, six games to qualify for the Europa League to start the season, so they've played basically way more than anyone else and you would expect them that to kind of catch up with them at some point but um, they're one of the clubs I, I think more than maybe anyone else in, in La Liga so far who have kind of taken care of as we mentioned that's the maybe the issue with Barcelona uh, they've really taken care of the matches they've been expected to win um, and, and obviously a, another big win for them uh, against a, a solid Espanol side. Yeah, um, actually I want to go back to
1: Madrid's defence because I, I wanted to mention Sergio Reguilon who is mm-hmm. filling in for Marcelo now and he's doing really, really well so keep an eye on him. But uh, Sevilla, yeah, they I don't think they're defending particularly great either a lot of the time um, but what they have had is, is goal scorers, consistent goal scorers. Um, obviously Andre Silva's come in and done very well. Um, ben Yedda... I don't think has had quite as many minutes in the league this season but if you look at his goals per minute rate is right up there with the best strikers in the league I think might only be behind Messi um so they've had players to put the ball in the back of the net um yeah you wouldn't have really expected that that would be a top of the table game Sevilla against Espanyol uh at the start of the season but yeah two teams going really well and, and as you say Sevilla having to balance a, a lot of different commitments
0: well, let's get into our game of the week. Then, obviously, we don't have any La Liga fixtures this weekend, but we do have plenty of interesting international break games involving La Liga players. And and for my game of the week, I've picked Spain against Croatia. Um, I, I think this is one, obviously, where where it's it's kind of if you want to look at it like the the Dortmund Atletico game. It's it's Croatia trying to rescue a measure of pride. It's looking. Pretty likely that they're going to go down to the B division, considering the goal difference that they've put up so far this this competition. But uh, for Spain, it's an opportunity to get into that semi final round next year in the Nations League and uh, get an opportunity to be in that that first ever final four. All they need is is a result to do that, and uh, uh, it's not going to be easy. Obviously, traveling to Croatia for this match, um, but you know they have a lot of players, a lot of quality players back in the lineup. probably the biggest one uh, is Jordi Elba, who uh, there was a little bit of potential tension there with Luis Enrique, of course, the Spanish manager and the former uh, Barcelona manager as well. There was some talk of a, of a rift between the two players, and Elba wasn't called up last time out, but he's just too good to leave out of the squad, and he's, he's back in at this time and I think going to be a very key player uh, in any sort of Spanish victory. Uh, so, Oli, uh, what have you picked for your game of the week? Uh, I will go back to
1: my home country, Brazil. <laughs> Sorry, that sounded weird. Um, Brazil are playing t- playing two games in England, is what I was yeah. meaning to say. Uh, one in London and one in my hometown of Milton Keynes. So, uh, yeah, they play Uruguay at the Emirates Stadium, Arsenal Stadium, uh, at the end of this week, and then Cameroon in MK uh, next week. And obviously there's plenty of, of uh, La Liga talent to keep your eye on there. Um two Barcelona midfielders in the uh, Brazil squad. I think they've only got you know a handful of caps between them, so big opportunities for, for Artur and, and Rafinha to lock down a place in the squad. And, and then, obviously, Uruguay have a few um, Spanish-based players as well, most notably Luis Suarez. Um, Federico Valverde, a young midfielder at, at Real Madrid, is also in that squad. Unfortunately, no, Christian Stuani, despite his impressive start to the season so there's plenty of, of la liga players to to watch out for there
0: great thanks uh thanks for joining the show brazilian correspondent oliver black <laughs> <laughs> well you never know <laughs> yeah that'd be that'd be a pretty interesting uh, gig <laughs> traveling down to to brazil um for, for work but um that that brings us to the end of the show thank you everyone for listening uh Ahead on, on next week's show, uh, we'll get into a big preview for the Atletico Madrid against Barcelona match, obviously one that's, that's definitely going to uh, have big implications going forward in the La Liga table. Um, but again, seems like we have a new script every week, so uh, we'll look forward to dissecting it over the next couple. Thanks for listening.